welcome back to Garbage Film, the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common and you don't need to enjoy just one or the other. And to do that, we will take our movie of the week and pair it with something artier or trashier and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, are entertained. I'm Nick, and with me as always is the classy wallet to my relentlessly cheery musical box, the Lubitsch touch to my regular touch. Aaron is here. Hi, Aaron. Hello. It's regular. It's fine. I don't know that it is fine. I think if you have to specify regular touch, something is off. It's like saying, saying like plain ice cream. An example of something nobody ever says. <laughs> but we when were... they do, you know it's normal. Yeah. You feel very good about it, is what I'm saying. Yes. I'm well. How are you, Nick? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Getting nice and sentimental for uh, yeah. the sentimental month. The sentimental. Sentiment. Clumsy portmanteaus aside. Portmanteaus. <laughs> we were just talking a lot about the Minnesota accent, and I fear yes. it's infecting your mm, psyche a little bit. It's always just beneath the surface. Yes, for me. lurking. <laughs> Friendly. <laughs> Much like Jimmy Stewart Wait. lurks off screen. <laughs> Is That's that a true. good segue? He's he's more of a stalker. Yeah, he, he is a stalker. Everywhere. He's, he's a he's a slender man. Yes, the slender man of the forties, Jimmy Stewart. Stars in our movie of this week, a little something that's just in time for the holidays. Mm -hmm. It's The Shop Around the Corner. Oh, you know that girl I was corresponding with? Well, after a while, we got on the subject of love. Naturally, on a very cultural level. Well, what else can you do in a letter? She is the most wonderful girl in the world. Is she pretty? I'm sorry. The main thing is that you like her. Hope I will. What do you mean? You love a girl and you don't know if you like her? Well, that's just the question. Haven't met her yet. Mr. Krollick, are you still here? Are you deliberately trying to spoil my evening? Why do you want to do me harm? Why do you hate me so? I don't hate you. Oh, I suppose you love me. Oh, why should I? What have you done to make me love you? Well, I don't want you to love me. I don't. That's the shop around the corner from 1940. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I, let's do the math on this real quick. 83-year-old movie. As true today as the time when it was written. So true. Yes. Bestie. It's very... I had a hard time placing it because it feels like it could be pre-war or it feels yep. like it could be from the late 50s. It, yeah. 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 Timeless indeed. So let's say you don't know what the shop around the corner is. I didn't when we watched it. Yeah. Uh, how about go watch the movie or uh, just know what You've Got Mail is because it's the same movie. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> also have not seen. Yeah, me neither. But I got the gist of it. Yeah. <laughs> Someone gets mail. Word has it. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, two employees at a gift shop can barely stand one another without realizing that they are falling in love through the post as each other's anonymous pen pal. Aw. It's so cute. Yeah. I will say... It is so much less cute than I expected it to be. It's <laughs> yeah. much meaner than I thought, but in a cute way. <laughs> yes. Everyone is so mean to each other, which is great. But it's very, it's it's borderline. You don't want them to get together because yeah. they clearly hate each other. But then there are little unravelings that are, make you be like, oh, okay. Yeah, my first watch, I wasn't super convinced, to be honest. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, it's a fun movie, but like, come on, guys. Yeah, I know what you mean. But the second time around, I... I it totally it totally tracks. It locks in, yeah. Yep. So to kick us off, I wanted to talk a little bit about the director who's Ernst Lubitsch. Uh, you may know the Ernst. name from being very famous at movies. 
Uh, <laughs> I barely did, yes. This yeah. is one of those things of like, you forget the pioneers type of thing. So I want to give you just like a really brief once over <clears throat> on who is the man, the myth, the Lubitsch. Great. Because this is also a little self-indulgent on our side because we're about to go to uh, uh, the film, uh, the repertory theater around the corner from us is doing a Lubitsch uh, marathon? Series? Yeah, program. <laughs> it's a marathon, but over like a month. Yeah, so, you know, a normal set of movies. <laughs> yeah, so just a little bit about Lubitsch, because I think this is the only one of his movies we've seen, and I think commonly, if you see one, it's this one. That's okay. The way she goes. Okay. Uh, so Ernst Lubitsch, credited as the creator of the rom-com. So oh. coming by it, honestly, here. Starting strong. He was already internationally famous for film work and uh, rom-com specifically by 1920. Oh, damn. Um, made his first Hollywood picture, Rosita, in 1927 in Hollywood. Uh, so he's one of the only examples of whenever I think of a Jewish-American um, writer, director, somebody, like behind the scenes somebody, like a Billy Wilder, it is a, like, oh, they came to America because of the Nazis. Right, yeah. But uh, Lubitsch is one of the few that, like, well ahead of that. He, yeah. He was free and clear well before there was uh, the dangers. Yeah. Um, so he, like, clears the way for a lot of them. Oh, interesting. Uh, is, oh, I was like, hey, this is a, a career path I could take. That and, like, gives them me. work, specifically. Oh, nice, nice, nice. When they okay. don't have any coming over. like they so don't it's have not pull up the ladder behind them. Yes, exactly. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he made it huge with musicals in Hollywood. That was his big thing when uh, sound came around. I can see that. Uh, this I really like. This was a compliment. His, quote, truly amoral, end quote, Trouble in Paradise is a movie released in 1932, is a pre-code comedy um, considered shocking enough at the time that when the Hayes Code hit, they tried to, like, destroy it from existence. Oh, my God. So they're like, this is the most disgusting thing. And I'm sure by today's standard, it'll be like, it showed an ankle and he said... <laughs> He implied the existence that sex might be around somewhere. Right, yeah. <laughs> that was huh, yeah. okay. Uh, Sorry, it, who who said this? This was a compliment this from whom? This is a critic who like, oh, okay. reviewed it at the time just being like, it's truly immoral. Like, that's a real, like, go and see it, folks. Ooh, Provocateur. so juicy. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, and that one wasn't found again until the late 60s, that movie. Uh, uh, oh, that wow. was, like, when they refound the existence of it. And I think that happened with a few other of his movies. So. Okay. Which is fun. Uh, but I like, there's a nice sum up here. Michael Wilmington was a critic at the time. Described Lubitsch's work, because I feel like this is a thing that people have a hard time articulating, me included, articulating what it is about his movies that are good. Yeah. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's good. Is it's, that why we've just come up with the Lubitsch touch? Yeah, that's describing the thing that you can't the describe. The intangibility of why we like his movies? Yeah, you nailed it on the head. So here's uh, two quotes from Michael Wilmington. Quote, at once elegant and ribald, sophisticated and earthly, urbane and bemused, frivolous yet profound. They were directed by a man who was amused by sex rather than frightened of it, and who taught a whole culture to be abused by it as well. You said abused. Yep. <laughs> oh no. My bad. Uh, I meant to say amused. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Good edit. <laughs> In camera edit. That's cute. I like that. That feels right. Yeah, that that last bit especially where he's amused by sex. Like, there's nothing... All his movies are very... Or all of his movies. We've seen the one. Um, but my understanding <laughs> of all of his movies that we'll learn this month as we go to see lots of Lubitsch Fair. movies is that he is somebody who 
pokes fun at the idea of sex and sex is very present all the time but nobody's yeah. being like ooh ah eroticism well I mean that's that isn't that just how we live yeah like that can't be represented in the movies or how the, dare yeah. That's literally, like, the Hayes Code idea was, like, we'll keep people from... Yeah. See, talking about it, therefore it won't exist. A tactic that has worked well, <laughs> always. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> mm. um, and the other quote you know, that I really like is, quote, he had an adult mind and a hatred of saying things the obvious way. Oh. Quote. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird pair of things to yeah, put together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a hatred of saying things the obvious way. I like that actually because I feel like a lot of the I don't know if he did he do the the like screen or not the screenplay the um, script for he didn't not for this but he yeah. did write his own stuff okay pretty often or like he had a hand in a lot sure, of it. sure yeah feels like okay there's a lot of fun turns of phrase yes. in this movie that still don't sound like they're being written by Aaron Sorkin like they feel <laughs> like natural things someone would say yeah they don't feel like. They don't feel like it's slang that's out in the world. It feels like that's how that person would express themselves. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really... So, like, every line just feels perfectly curated to the character that's saying them. Yeah, true. Which is such a, like, crazy magic trick. I love it. Um, he eventually died, unfortunately, as we all do, uh, in 1947. This is the first I'm hearing of it! <laughs> I told you, this is an infotainment podcast. That's the info part of this. <laughs> Heads we, up. We, we all are die. mortal. Uh-huh. Um, sorry to remind people of that. Uh, he died in 1947 at 55 while he was still oh. in, like, movie-making prime. He was oh. still putting out the hits. Like I said, big hero to a lot of just general emigres from Europe throughout the years. Uh, and I want to share this quote from his funeral. It was full of Hollywood royalty, naturally. A quote from Billy Wilder, who worked with him on Ninochka, which was Billy Wilder's first, like, hit he ever wrote. Oh, dope. Okay. Um, quote, after the ceremony, William Wilder and I walked silently to our car. Finally, I said, just to say something to break the silence, no more Lubitsch. To which Wilder replied, worse than that, no more Lubitsch films. Oh. End quote. <laughs> yeah, all of our it's just like nice wholesome buds. Yeah. They don't so get to play around buds. together yeah. anymore. <laughs> we don't get to see each other's toys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I think that's nice. What a what a hard hitter. I feel like he's just before the the era that I'm pretty familiar with. Yeah, like yeah. we're both pretty familiar with like 40s, 50s, like 50s especially. Yeah. Like, the big hits from the 40s. Not so much the 30s and stuff, though. That's where 30s, he like, no. yeah. made his name, I feel like. So this is, this is fun. We get to like drop a pin into a bunch of conjecture and see a bunch of his movies, and we can listen back and be like, <laughs> oh, we were way up. Ooh, I don't think so. Once again, we did not go to film school. <laughs> but to get back to Shop Around the Corner, the screenplay here is by Samson Rafelson. Most of the people that Lubitsch worked with were like, like stage theater first people which makes sense for the time I sure think. sure but uh ray fielson was a playwright mostly he wrote the play that got adapted into the jazz singer so the first oh, wow, sound okay. movie uh he wrote um hitchcock's suspicion trouble in paradise the truly amoral one <laughs> uh heaven can wait which is another big lubich one so he's right. one of lubich's faves cool writers i feel like that's such a common like you almost couldn't do what i don't know if it's still the same way now where you can't go to Hollywood without doing stage first, at least for writing. Yeah. Acting, too. Like, a lot of the actors in this movie were just theater people. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I say that, like, 
They were just theater people. (laughs) And I think his follow Lubitsch's follow up to this movie was to be or not to be, which is a movie about theater actors. So like he's clearly like got that on the mind all the time. And this was also an uncredited screenplay from Ben Hecht, who is he comes up like in the background all the time because he didn't he like wrote movies for paychecks. He didn't really care about credits or anything. He was a stage and books guy. Okay, but he was a tremendously prolific journalist turned writer. Uh, he's got 70 film credits, and those are just the credited ones. It's estimated he did, like, probably double that of uncredited work. Oh, wow. 35 books. He was, like, kind of like a script doctor before script doctor existed. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Just kind of hopping from project to project and fixing stuff up. Yeah, but, like, here's kind of the stuff he wrote. He wrote Front Page, which became His Girl Friday. Ghost wrote Marilyn Monroe's Autobiography. Oh, He wow. wrote Scarface. Uh, he wrote the a lot 30s of... The st- 30s one? Yeah. He wrote a lot of stuff for Hitchcock, uh, Rope, Spellbound, Notorious, Paradigm Case. Oh, shit. So, like, he's he really thought that movies were, like, a lesser medium than stage, though. So he's just like, I don't care. Put my name on it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I'm not going to refer back to this in my uh, interviews. <laughs> Very much, yeah. <laughs> That's a real, like, Chris Evans, stop asking me about Captain America yeah. kind, of, kind of thing. <laughs> I want to talk about real work, please. <laughs> Good for uh, this is, speaking of theater, though, this is based on a Hungarian play called Parfumery, which is from 1937 by Miklos Laszlo, which answers the question of, like, why the hell is this in Hungary? Yeah, I know. Which <laughs> so I feel funny. like is everybody who doesn't know it's based on a play watching this for the first time, like, these aren't Hungarian accents. Sorry, is this meant or... to be? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I feel like there's a certain, like... It's very aggressively Christmassy. Like, everyone's amped for Christmas in a yeah. way that maybe you wouldn't get elsewhere. And it feels very, like, all the exteriors are very European. Like, it's got that, like... Yeah. <laughs> maybe this is the thing of, like, the retail experience isn't as uh, customer service forward um, as it would be here. Oh, like, I know maybe. North America gets chided for being like, the customer's always right. Yeah. And, yeah. Whereas there, it's about tricking people into buying things. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean... I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real, but... Capitalism comes for us all. (laughs) But uh, let's talk about who's in it, too, before we get to the meat of the movie. So Margaret Sullivan, who I only know from this, too, and I was like, she's got to be famous because she's great. Uh, She was famous on the stage. Oh, there you go. This is the best known of her 16 movies she did. But 16 is still, like... It's a fair number. A fair number. But uh, none so much as our main boy, James Stewart... Um, yeah, uh, Margaret Sullivan's hats are very cute, and I do enjoy the height difference between the two of them. I mean, the height difference between Jimmy Stewart and any person <laughs> working true. with Jimmy Stewart is always very funny. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's like a slender man. He's yeah. like a, a fucking praying mantis on any state, on any set that he's, he's on. He's a big stick bug. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's crazy. It makes it very, like, they're so different. Like, they, mm. they are very, Jimmy Stewart is clearly... A movie guy. Yes. And I I can see Margaret Sullivan's, like, mannerisms and her deliveries Mm. and things being a result of a stage training. But it works so well for this character that, like... Oh, totally. Has this, like, she she has this facade... Not even facade. She has this, like, persona that she's in love with of herself in the same way that, like, Stuart kind of hides his version of it. But they're, like... Yeah. I don't know. This might be me getting too deep into my thoughts on the movie right out of the gate. But. No, I do I do like how, how different they are. Yeah. It does annoy me, though, that we never get to hear Jimmy Stewart say Budapest. We have a real can of reason. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like Clash of the Titans level of pronouncing Ooh. Budapest. Ooh. 
<laughs> Considering how often I bring it up, we gotta just have a drop for Keanu Reeves saying Budapest. <laughs> Actually, this... yeah, it comes up a lot. <laughs> we love you, Keanu. Yes, we do. And yeah. he loves Budapest. Budapest. <laughs> Budapest. I can't even, I can't eat, there's no, it's it's like a skill unto itself. Yeah. I can't say it like he could say it. He's got also, away with vowels. He, oh boy, yes. I also can't talk like Jimmy Stewart can yeah. talk. I know every everyone knows the Jimmy Stewart cadence. Oh. I can't do it. There's the, it's yeah. like a bird. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Coming down to pick off one of your French yeah. fries. Jimmy Stewart is there. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's something about it. Yeah, off mic, you, you had a good... Um theory on this where like everybody's jimmy stewart impressions are like the hapless version where he's oh great i'm so goofy I'm yeah my skeleton doesn't I work broke properly. my leg yeah yeah um, that's not even the voice <laughs> yeah, no, <not laughs> but you voice. know what i mean yeah everyone uh, where he's like stuttery and silly but he also like in almost every movie he has a moment where he gets so mad he's one of the like darkest actors I can think of. I, there's just something, there's like a core of like fury in yeah. him and he really goes like laser focus yeah. when he gets to get mad in, in any of his movies. It's like very it's scary. scary. Yeah. yeah. He has such an interesting like career path where mm. at this stage he's the like, the he's Mr. The Smith goes lead. to Washington. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the guy that you're selling based on principle. Like he's he's, he's your, a good upright boy. And, exactly, yeah. he's on screen to represent the morals and how they stand up against something. Yeah. But by like the fifties, he becomes this weird, perverted in like inverse of that. I'm thinking about your vertigos. I mean, like, it's mostly Hitchcock, right? Hitchcock well, no. can bring out the perv in most people, <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah. like it's like a challenge. Like I'm uh-huh. gonna break this man. I'm gonna make you. But all worse. those um, westerns he does with Anthony Mann. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he, yeah. Like he's. It's such a well, good meta casting where you're like, oh, I know this guy is the moral guy. And then you see him like so defeated and you're like, oh, this world has broken him. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. He's very like, you know, talking about Captain America. He's mm. he's very that. But I think his his fun, like the depth in his characters is because he is playing that role. But you can tell that he also not Jimmy Stewart, the person, but like the character mm kind of loathes like the situation that he's in yeah you know i yeah i don't know it's so good i'm really i'm thinking of this i'm thinking of it's a wonderful life yeah. like where he just has this simmering kind of uh unease in well him. i always bring up mr smith goes to washington like it's not like sure. it, it feels very sorkin pilled but it, it's <laughs> he has like it a quiet desperation that turns to loud desperation in that that is such an amazing yeah yeah i don't know it's very magnetic like, yeah. yes and I, James Stewart is one of the, like, the biggest, as I've, I personally have gone more all old Hollywood, he has gone from the most cartoony to one of the most affecting actors, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, pound for pound. Like, he's in a movie, you're like, oh, I'm gonna feel something This is this. gonna work on yeah. me, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, this movie is, like, this could be so corny and, like, yeah. not believable and they, like, not pull it off, but it's really, it's the strength of the performances, I think. Yeah, and, like, our two mains are not good people. Like, they're they're kind of... They're just normal they're people. They're just normal people, yes. They're innocent. They're not men. what you'd expect from the time, which is upstanding, good Americans. Right. Um, Hungarians. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So stupid. <laughs> oh, they're perfect Hungarian accents. Uh-huh. But the... 
feeling that the, the, here are these flawed characters on screen and we're still rooting for them. Oh, totally, yeah. Is such a, like, their performances are so good where you're like, oh, I recognize, like, the way that, uh, we'll talk more about this shit, but the way that he treats, like, Vanish when he fires him eventually is just like, that's, like, the worst way to handle this, but yeah. get his ass. <laughs> but I want him to do yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah. Things like the first go-around on the plot, I was like, oh, Jimmy Stewart's too mean to... Margaret right. Sullivan in this. But this time around, I'm like, well, she is dishing it out, and he's just, like, kind of replying in kind. And you eventually see the methodology behind it when yes. we get toward the end. Which so it fun. does feel like, oh, it is an incredibly imperfect versions of all these people, but that's just what makes them so lovable. Love it's it. so good. I feel like if you know the characters are doing something for a shitty reason, mm. it's, hard to, it's hard to enjoy their shittiness and yeah. their flaws, but... They're just they're just looking to be good versions of themselves, and that's hard. And and you know, having a job that you have to beg for doesn't make it easy to be a good person. And yeah. This pressure to be like you know they're corresponding by by post, mm. and they they can say whatever they want about themselves, and they admit in both like both separately are like I really talked myself up, <laughs> and it's got to be scary to be like I wish I was like this and I'm not, and just that's such that's a like true, yeah. relatable and like wonderful way to approach their actions and mm. I think it, it really it works for it's making this, them lovable yeah it's this great double vision thing of like you see them interact in person and you're like oh everybody's at work and they're so snippy and annoyed yeah. but then like you get the idealized version of the truth of the person exists somewhere between those two yeah. which is really a, a fascinating needle to thread yes yeah, yeah. Totally. But speaking of trying to be the best version of yourself despite yourself, Frank Morgan, the Wizard of Oz himself, yes. is here. Which he is, he has the weirdest journey, I feel like. He starts out like the mm. affable but shouty kind of boss. And then he becomes like the bad guy of the movie to Jimmy Stewart for a while. I think he kind of starts off as the bad guy. Yeah, like guess, you, yeah. you sense this feeling of like he's lording his power as the boss over them. I don't think he's even doing it consciously, mm. but they're all reacting to him that way. So that's how he's treating him uh, them. Yeah, that's true. It's this that. weird, like very stifling. Like he feels like a really oppressively like bad boss to work for. Yeah. But he does get worse from there. He does, and then he gets much better. And yes. there's like a nice clearing of the air. And like his, I was very much affected by his journey on this on this watch through. Yeah, we've got uh, the what feels like one of the templated shitty guys in uh, <laughs> Joseph. I can't pronounce this, but Schildkraut as French Vadish. 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 Yes. Uh, this fucking guy. This this is this is one of our best fucking guys <laughs> yes yeah he's a fancy boy he's so smarmy oh god you just want to purple nurple the shit out of this guy <laughs> he's just oh god little little rat he's so slimy yeah he's so slimy yeah it's great but con we've got i feel like we've got like angel and devil retail guys yeah, here. yeah. felix brassard as pirovich is just Pirovich. the best yeah so um, pure so good he looks like one of the marx brothers in this <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Yes. Yeah, 100%. But that's all prosthetics. Like, he's early 30s. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think stuff. I think that's right. All right. But he's a Lubitsch regular. He gets famous nice. doing these type of roles with Lubitsch. There's so many what feel like cliched even for the time bits in this that are still fun. Like, every time uh, Wizard of Oz says, I want your honest opinion, and he just, like... 
Grandpa oh, Simpson's so around funny. and yeah. charges off is very funny. <laughs> he's older than everyone in the shop, so you can tell he's been around for a while and he knows that like the shop owner does not want your honest opinion and he's been chewed out in the past for it, yes. so he just fucking books it out the room, whatever he's doing. It's a good it's a good It's a gag. good bit that underlying that is the fact that his he feels like he's gonna get fired at any moment and he has a wife and family who live in a one bedroom house yeah. that like there's a real uh, the truth in comedy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I mean. Like the boss feels like a bad guy from the from the yeah. outset because everyone is so on pins and needles like around him. He controls their livelihoods and and they don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they don't get to be full humans. Yeah, in yeah. his presence yeah. or store. Uh, and then I, he doesn't do much, but I just got to mention Rudy Charles Smith plays play Rudy <laughs> and Peppy. Oh, oh, I skipped over Peppy. How dare you skip Hungarian treasure, Peppy. <laughs> Hungarian urchin from Queens. <laughs> Peppy Katona, played by William Tracy. Just the only straight-up comic relief character, I think. Everybody Possibly, has, yeah. has a dramatic edge. Yeah, yeah. Peppy gets, like, guy. <laughs> some kicks in, but that's about it. <laughs> Peppy's a little mean sometimes, yes. and that's about it, yeah. Oh, so funny. It really, like, it feels like this, again, the performances are good enough, and the... The ensemble work is good the enough. Peppy could be so goddamn annoying, but he's he's not. I don't find him annoying. No, I he is right on the edge for me. Yeah. Whenever he starts to approach that, like, okay, we've had enough. He All leaves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> we know how much we can take. Yeah. So he's great, and he gets promoted, which allows space for the tallest baby. Rudy is here. He's like <laughs> the most elderly eight-year-old you've ever seen. <laughs> He's a six foot tall uh, two year old. Yeah. It's just his face. He looks like a little rascal. Yeah. Like, he might have been. I should have checked. But uh... Uh, he looks like someone's doing a Snapchat filter on like a regular <laughs> age person. You called this out for the Bob's Burgers listeners in the audience. He's just regular sized Rudy. That's yeah. what he is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is actually just the inspiration for the character. Looks the same. Sounds the same. Just take regular sized Rudy and make him huge. So you'd say he's a large Rudy? Huge size Rudy? Yeah. I don't I don't make the rules. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so like our ensemble rules. This is just like of the time. I do wish the other uh women clerks got the right, <laughs> got yeah. anything to and do. And the rest yeah. is very yeah. I think it just has to be uh, I don't know. I'm I'm of two minds about it where you're like, you just can't have that many characters. Yeah. There's enough going on, yeah. you know? But um Yeah. It just is such a like it feels like such a non-plot plot. Like, it, it's... <laughs> everybody hangs out, and we go through the trials and tribulations as two people fall in love through the male but hate working with each other. Yeah, the the male subplot is almost a subplot and yeah. not the main plot even necessarily. It only really moves to the main plot, like, it comes up at certain... Like, yeah, the, yeah. when they go to meet in the restaurant and... Uh, yeah. They have that tete-a-tete, which is very funny throughout. And, oh, there's, there's something about... So... My my journey with this movie the first time through was I was like, oh, they're just being horrifically mean to each other. And then in the end, they're like, you're hot. Let's kiss. Yeah. Um, classic classic arc. Spoiler alert. They get together in the end. <laughs> wow. Wow. How funny would it be if they didn't, though? <laughs> One so, of them murders the other in the shop. So we get the, the scene where they're supposed to meet. The blind date, basically. Uh, where Jimmy Stewart's scared. He has this great monologue toward the beginning of like how scared, how much of a coward he feels like he's being. Yeah. Which is great played against how forthright he is with his boss and with everybody else he comes into contact with. You can tell there's like this this sense of this core of vulnerability that nobody gets to, which is yeah. mm, so good. 
and they're hanging around the corner and we get this Seinfeld-esque oh my god so funny so funny of him and Pirovich are hanging out like he's he's just gotten fired right and so he yeah. feels very defeated and very like you know knocked down and yeah. he's like I can't I can't face this woman what is he I'm not I'm in no, no mood to act important today yeah. um so he has Pirovich like go and spy for him because yeah. he's like I'm not going in I just need to know basically he's like I need to know that she's human is basically what he's trying sure, to do. Sure, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't tell me if she's hot. Don't tell me if she's not hot. Don't tell me anything. I just want to know, like, I think he just wanted to know, is she there? Is, is she, she going to yeah, show up? Is she up? real? Kind yeah. Of like, yeah. Was she able to, like, put it on the line? Because there is something about, yeah. like, the whole way through of this. Uh, I'll talk about it in my takeaway. Okay. Thoughts for later. Okay. But yes, the Larry David ass line. <laughs> oh, she's got, she's got a donut. She's dunking it. Why shouldn't she dunk it? It's <laughs> <laughs> There is a cup of coffee on the table. Yeah. She's taking a piece of cake. Huh? Yeah. Chronic. She's dunking. Well, why shouldn't she dunk? All right. Pyramid's describing her to him. She's dunking. She's dunking. <laughs> She's what? a dunker. Like, yeah. you can hear Jason You Alexander. can hear you. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yes, exactly. But, yeah, that this, it comes to the forefront here where they're meeting. And this moment where Jimmy Stewart realizes, like, oh... This woman that's so fighty, like, there's something about she's very principled or she's very outspoken, and that's what I fell in love with in the letters. Yeah. But not with... So, like, he walks up to her, and she's just, like, railing, insulting him to his face. Because she has no idea that he's there. He's taken off the little carnation that was meant to identify him to her. And so he strolls in, like, oh... What are you doing here? May I take this seat? And she's, Get the fuck out of here! I'm waiting for somebody. And he's like ribbing her a little. And yeah, and she comes right out with like just just some real mean stuff. Oh like yes. calling him bow legged for no reason. <laughs> uh, so he's like just quietly remarking to himself, just like that is beautifully put. Very mean, but beautifully yeah. put. Just a lot of that, like the appreciation of like, oh, this snark is good. Yeah. I knew that I was fighting with her for a reason. Like there's. I know there's that very like I'm not much for the like oh I was so mean to you because I love you mm. or like you know pulling the pigtails like approach mm. but it is a very like why do I constantly want to interact with this person why am I getting into it with yeah. them all the time and it's and then he starts to realize like oh that's why like oh no you know it's yeah generally speaking does enemies to lovers work on you I I don't know I I don't I have trouble thinking of examples of it when I was thinking of a movie to pair I was like maybe that's the angle I'll take but I just totally coming up blank on anything that I like uh, yeah, so probably no that's yeah. that's, that's the because yeah. the example I was gonna give was uh the sequel trilogy Star Wars movies um, which sure? no obvious that's not don't even dignify that that wasn't written that yeah, wasn't an arc it felt wrong to bring up yeah. in the presence of this movie do you remember sidebar do you remember when we went to see that movie the the last, the one. last one and they're like about to kiss and someone in our row just went no <laughs> <laughs> and we all were like i agree buddy there was also another good moment so where funny. you're a Palpatine and somebody just went, boo! Oh, that's right! <laughs> yeah, this, this, was a, this was a good crowd. Anyway. anyway. Yeah, sidebar complete. Yes. So, no, not really a, a trope that works well for me. As yeah, far so as like, know. this movie is working 
against your biases from yeah. the outset. Yeah. yeah, it still overcomes them. But it's not, it's it's like they're, they're both. It's not, I know I don't like you and that changes. It's not that. Mm. It's I do like you. I don't realize why or I'm not, like I yeah. haven't, it's perspective, right? I haven't put you in the perspective of this person I also know, like, you don't mm. know the complete person. And once you put those two pieces together, you're like, of course I love you. Yeah. And there's a thing about, like, you can, yeah, you were saying there's something about, I just need to keep interacting with you. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah. It just feels, yeah. but like, again, they can't be themselves because. They're at work and yeah. they, yeah. And they have, you know, it's, they're, they're visible all the time. You know how it is at and work. He's and he's like, her boss too. Eventually. Yeah. 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 I, like, kind of at the outset, he's, like, they're the same level, but he's, like, kind of training her. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, she yeah. kind of reports to him. So, like, there's some seniority playing in, so, which always, that's going to fuck stuff up anyway. Yeah. And in a lesser movie that I'm sure dozens of these exist from the 90s to today, it would be borderline, like, I don't think he should be allowed to do that. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a definite element of, like, and again, Jimmy Stewart, I think, just plays the hapless part of him mm. well in this where you're like he has flaws so it's fine yes <laughs> it's not this like wonderful or like always correct mm. man supervisor coming in and being like you love me and she's <laughs> like i didn't realize like it's not that at all yeah because she is very outspoken toward the end of the movie how she's like i fell for you pretty hard yeah <laughs> you're super hot and uh i didn't want it to be weird at work <laughs> yeah and you were picking up on what i was yeah. putting down so this is your fault that's kind of what <laughs> comes across which is very funny oh, damn girl but i i yeah like that that restaurant scene i feel like knowing where things go you have a an understanding of like okay he's trying to engage her honestly like just putting like a feeler out there and then yeah. she like snaps back and so he's like well i'll just well, you get stood up then, then. Like, there's yeah. a bit of, like, tit-for-tat going on. Yeah. Um, they feel unequal footing for most of the movie. Even yeah. though there is this, like, he knows, she doesn't. Yeah. Because once we... I, correct me if I'm wrong, but once he knows and she doesn't, they almost never interact at work after that, right? Because, like, he... Not one-on-one, -on -one, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. she, quote-unquote, gets sick and is yeah. at home. And he becomes Mr. Manager. Yes. So. We, we just say manager. Which, trigger warning for discussing suicide very openly, but the amount of... It is crazy how much suicide and the holidays were joined at the hip through yeah. the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yeah, <laughs> like, we, they, we were not shy about linking those two things, and I guess... Jimmy Stewart particularly a magnet for this kind of I guess so plot contrivance. Yeah. But like he the the Frank Morgan's attempted suicide is this like I feel like this movie starts out so like chummy, haha, we were doing it, hanging out, witty, riotous, yes, repartee. And, and then we get like there's the hint of it as I just keep calling him the Wizard of Oz. Uh, Matichek is just meaner and meaner to Jimmy Stewart. Like, yeah. there's something weird going on Yeah, here. something is off. And then the private eye comes in, and they discuss what's actually been happening, and that Wizard of Oz thinks that Jimmy Stewart's fucking his wife. Yeah. Um, his wife is clearly having an affair, and since everyone likes Jimmy Stewart, mm. he's like, oh, it must be him, because yeah. they know it's one of his employees. And there's a few other, like, little clues, but yeah, we know that it's an employee, and he's like, the only one it could be is... Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, nobody likes Fadish. But it yeah. turns out... <laughs> it was Fadish. He's a fancy boy. Mrs. Mottoshek. Yeah, she got a, he got a sugar mama. Damn, yeah, that's true. Mama. Yeah. When yeah. uh, he's showing off his rings oh and stuff. Oh my god. Never, come on. Don't bring that shit to work. <laughs> uh, Dummy. Yeah, it's just... 
there's the hints of that darkness and then we get that attempted suicide and it becomes like it goes from a comedic movie to an intensely dramatic movie for a little while yeah and then it just like kind of rides that line nicely it's and i mean it's it's this thing of like you know life just continues on like it it becomes that's a dramatic moment but then it just the store has to stay open Mm -hmm. and and he wants to make things right with Jimmy Stewart, and yeah. you call him by his character name, but I can't remember what it is. So Crawlick. Crawlick, that's right. Yes. Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So life just continues on, and so it, it it always just settles back down again. You know. Well, I mean? yeah, and this this is not a uh, new thought anybody's had while watching this movie, but I feel like we both have this very strong reaction that it absolutely nails the feel of working in retail, especially oh my over God. holidays. Yes, especially over holidays, especially when you have to, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you have to make a sales goal and you just, you gotta yeah. either lie to yourself or the customer or both. Or, yep. Yeah. Just lying by omission at worst mm-hmm. or... The feeling that, like, oh, my God, like, I'm on this floor every day. I could make so many improvements, but you won't let me because yeah. you don't think, you're the, like, oh, you're just on the floor. You're not smart enough to, yeah. you know. Oh, God, I've got to stay late again. Uh, they keep describing this like a family. Fuck. Yes, And it yeah. kind of is and because I spent all my time with people. <laughs> that, I think, is the other, like, crucial part about why everyone is kind of likable, even though they're shitty. Mm. Or, or at least you get it. You know, yeah. you just spend so much time or like you've just formed this little world yeah. in, in the shop and, and you you have to adjust to that because you go insane otherwise, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that relatability is one of the, like the title, literally the shop around the corner, or the idea that like, this is any shop around the corner. Right. From you, yes. This is, this is every shop. That's such a like, it, no attention is really called to it other than just presenting it toward you, which is great. Like, yeah. I, I love that feeling of like, ah, out in the world, there's... Jimmy Stewart's falling in love with Margaret Sullivan's <laughs> all over the place. At any given moment. <laughs> yep. When an angel rings its bell or whatever. <laughs> I think we might be confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing, uh, just to tie up the retail thing, one of my favorite interactions, uh, it is just such a dumb throwaway thing, but it is just, you can tell the guy writing this play worked in retail, the, the how much is that bag in the window that's marked for two ninety five? Well, it's two ninety five. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> she just goes, oh, no. <laughs> so funny. I love that. And you can see him look at her for a second and go like, is it worth, is it worth giving her shit about that question? No, it's not. I'm just going to say it. Oh, man. And the, there's some good Jimmy Stewart reactions. He's got like a great reaction face that we don't talk about that much. <laughs> like when uh, Margaret Sullivan is trying to sell the musical mm. cigarette boxes um, to like prove her worth and get hired. Yeah. And the lady that she's trying to sell it to isn't having it and it cuts to him like on a shelf turning around slowly. <laughs> just... He looks like the Grinch. Yeah. He, He's that's so my, pleased. That's my sleep paralysis demon. Oh, just... God. <laughs> Slick back Jimmy Stewart. Six four Jimmy Stewart just <laughs> on a ladder. <laughs> yeah, he looks so honestly though, she kills that. Like that's some Don Draper shit to be yeah. like, it's not annoying. It's responsible. Yeah. You'll think about how much candy you're eating every time you open the box, you'll be aware. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Candy she, conscious. She, candy conscious. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Yeah, they still can't sell them because, yeah, they're fucking annoying. I just love that they're there the rest yeah. of the time. It's so funny. <laughs> they, they eventually, like, you know, Vanish and, and Jimmy Stewart's character eventually have it out and he throws him into a huge pile of musical gift boxes and they have it's to so run around funny. picking him up. Yeah, just this really ungraceful mode of, like, trying to, which one's still open? Yeah, oh, close them, close them. <laughs> 
That's so funny. Uh, yeah, there's so many little like minutia shop things. Mm. Which is just very funny. Like, is it Vadish who's always like, hey, you want to hear a joke? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> you can tell they've just had it with this guy. And the before Stuart fires him, Vanish, he says to Vanish, like, move all the big suitcases from yeah. the top. Like the busy work that your boss gives uh-huh. you. And you're like, you're punished, but we can't talk about it. Yeah. I, I'm not allowed to punish you, but oh, am I going to? <laughs> I know. This shop, like, I don't know what it is. Like, the we watched it twice. And the first time I was like, yeah, this is great. I love, I, I like it a lot. Mm. And the second time I'm like, oh, I love it. But in between, I was like, the the shop, there's nothing even so distinctive about the shop even. But it's yeah. it's so etched in my brain. Like, mm. that location feels lived in. And, like, they actually work there. Yeah. And, like, they're used to seeing it from behind the counter. And I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is. But... It's such a good, like, little world for them. Yeah, and considering it's, we get the hospital at some point, but other than that, right. it's literally 100% there. Like, it could become yeah. so stifling. Like that street. That's like, it. Like, when you have a bad adaptation where you're like, this was clearly a play. Like, you don't necessarily <laughs> feel that watching yeah, this. Yeah. It just, it's somehow dynamic. Like, I think there's something about how Lubitsch films stuff. I'm sure it must that, be, yeah. right? Like, I'm sure, you know, and you you always feel, you never feel like you're a customer walking into the store. You always feel like you're the employee. Yeah. Like, you see all the back rooms and you see, you know. I don't One know. thing that I think goes to establish it as, like, this realistic space is something I didn't realize until thinking about it this morning. There's no music in this movie. Oh, at all? that I can think of. There's like one or two interstitial shots with like a little bit, but like when people are in the store, no music ever. Oh. Like it's it's something that ordinarily, that's something that we get used to nowadays. Everything yeah. is, if anything, there's too Scored. much music in movies yeah. if I had to land on a side of it. But like back then, like if I'm watching an older movie, I'm very aware of how little music there is because yeah. it's just, it's so useful as a, as a, a space filler kind of sure yeah and that just is not only is it not here in any way it's also not required in any way like no i guess that's what makes it different from every other retail experience then yeah. because especially over christmas yeah you're gonna hear some fucking music <laughs> you're gonna hate it <laughs> i can't remember who said like the using music can be a, a cheat it's a that's he's a think, director of some kind yeah, it's right? Yoshi Kurosawa. Um, telling Got you it. what you should be feeling. Yes, exactly. So yeah. his idea is that you should either have no music or music that doesn't line up with what the emotion is of the scene. Sure. Yeah. So like, yeah, kind of, because you're getting old Chachonia. That's about the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're like, we've turned them off of music forever. We can't uh, can't do anything else. Yeah, in the cafe you get some music because there's oh, a band sure. playing. Yes, yes, like yes. The, so, but that's, that's like, you know, that's supposed to be in the scene itself. Yeah, I think other than opening and closing, it's almost exclusively diegetic. Which is very funny because it's this, like, I like that he did musicals. The opening feels very like Gene yeah. Kelly should be tap dancing yeah. to this. <laughs> Cute opening theme and then just nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That's all you get. Yep. <laughs> Charming. Uh, and the, the thing, so let's just talk about the, the ending of it and like, let's talk more about their relationship. (laughs) Why not? We haven't touched on it at all. Uh So the thing that I think is really, it's not like understated by any means, but that snuck past me the first time is why Jimmy Stewart is so mean to Clara throughout this. (laughs) And it's this thing, he's trying to like break two illusions. He says, I had to break the illusion at the end. Mm. He's trying to do two things, I think. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. This is okay. kind of my, my thoughts on why he's going about it this way. Sure. He's trying to break her illusion of of him, Alfred Kralik, okay. as the shitty boss type. Right. So, like, he's being nice to her. He, he's acting more himself. Like, he's sure. 
kind of hanging out. He's having deeper conversations. He's getting into, like, repartee as opposed to, like, ordering her around. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so he's got that going on. So he's trying to, like, take time to build that up while simultaneously seeing how far he can push how superficially bad the letter writer is to see like kind of a test to be like well does she really just like the idealized version of what she's oh yeah yeah what what would it what would be the breaking point of of her like the the emotional connection we have is no longer enough i don't like you physically Yeah. yeah like and and like it's not kind but it were like the thing that breaks her that makes her go like oh no at the end is when he starts describing how materialistic the fake guy is yeah and up until then, he's describing he's like fat and ugly, fat short, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, "Old, that's okay. I only really need it." Like she's working through it. A little bit of denial, <laughs> some disappointment, I think. But yeah. she, yeah, because he had that experience seeing her, of like, oh, it's not who I'm picturing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, actually, that is more of a yeah. So, like, what what are your thoughts on his like stratagem? <laughs> I've clearly, like, spent too much time thinking about this. I love that for you. I think that... So you're talking specifically about the last scene where he is, like, pretending that the letter writer came to see her and was, like, fat and old and... Yeah, that feels like the climax of it, but there's a bunch early, like, throughout that he's kind of stringing her along a little... Like, he's presenting him as a jealous person, as an unreasonably jealous person, because he saw the... The, the the letter writer. The letter writer yeah. is as a jealous person because he saw the two, James Stewart and right. Margaret Sullivan, talking to each other. Right, and He's that's like, why he, he ditched. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do love that moment where he writes this letter to her, like, <laughs> who was that handsome young man you were with? Like, he looks like the he's, cream he's, of the crop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, looking at her while she, while she reads it. Um, <laughs> I think, so, uh, quite honestly, overall, I think some of the meanness and the way they, like, you know... Uh, they're they're blowing off steam a little bit mm. because they both, up until a certain point, have this like anxiety kind of about their they're building up this image of another person in their head, but they're yeah. and they're also wondering how they're coming across to their letter reader, their dear friend. Yeah, that's true. Like the if you've ever done a white lie that you feel trapped in, where you're like, I, yeah, I just need to yeah. I need to one up it again and one up it yeah, again. Yeah, I just need to like smooth smooth this out and make sure it went well. Or like, <laughs> yeah. So and I feel like they feel safe enough with each other, and this is I mm. think why the end lands okay for me. They feel safe enough with each other to rip the shit out of each other yeah. because they're trying to blow off steam and they're trying to like. They're trying to assert themselves as like, yes, I'm a person and mm-hmm. I I deserve to be treated well and like, you know, and and they feel safe enough with each other to kind of to blow off steam in that way, yeah. like leading up to this final scene. And and they do you know, they both they eventually she she reveals like yeah i really liked you when i started working here and i read in some book that like you know if you treat men like dogs like she basically the secret or not the secret what is no. some fucking pickup pick artist, artist shit. Shit. yeah if i neg you then then you'll like chase me and that didn't work so nope. i just dropped it like, <laughs> <laughs> i kind of blew up in my face yep so i just i just you know it's fine about face i some the line is something like if i treated you like a dog i was hoping that you would lick my head but instead you barked like, yeah something yeah. like that just just like yeah, that's a good turn of phrase. That's like funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's, like, they do very much like each other, and they see those, they, they feel comfortable with each other mm. throughout. And so Jimmy Stewart, at the end, trying to bring together this, like, yeah, he's, you know, 
I'm sure he's described himself as like, you know, strong jawed and yeah. like whatever, whatever. And he's kind of this, he looks like a stick bug. Like he's this like tall, <laughs> he's, stick he's bug. cute, but yeah, <laughs> but you know, he's bow-legged or whatever. <laughs> so he's like testing the waters and she's fine with that. So he's like, okay, I can go a little for, I think you're right. He's like, okay, what if his personality was actually different? Mm. Because his personality is the one writing the letters. Yeah. And, and I think that's he's testing that that is what she likes about him and that's what makes him feel yeah. comfortable to be like, it was me. Yeah, because yeah. I think throughout the movie, since he learns that it's her, he realizes, oh, this is that and she needs that same experience, kind of. Yeah, like, maybe. That, that yeah. this is the personality beneath. Yeah. <laughs> what lies beneath. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's 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 just the final, like, it's he could have gotten away with, you know, yeah, he, he had to break the illusion where it was like, if she didn't go for it, they could still part ways and neither would, would be hurt so much. It wouldn't be so that much. weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's that's what I think. I, I think that's right. He has to sort of peel back the layers and be like, it was actually just me. <laughs> it feels like a weird thing, but at the end of it, it, it feels right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a thinker. You know, on, yeah. the, on the way home, you'd be like, actually, it is good. It is good <laughs> that that tall man was mean to that tiny lady. <laughs> also, I love that, like, it feels so opposite to what you'd expect. Again, maybe this Lubitsch thing of, like, mm. never doing, never presenting the thing in an expected way. Mm. But this big, like, revelation scene is they're closing down the shop for the night. So all the lights are are going off one by one. Yeah. And eventually they're just in the darkness and they're closing up together. And that's so, like, I don't know why that charms me so much, but it's so good. Like a, You'd expect this, like, big, you know, Christmas, like, in front of the big lit up Christmas tree or something. But it's this but... quiet, dark, intimate moment. Yeah. yeah. It's so sweet. It's so nice. Yeah. So let's talk about, you mentioned Lubitsch Touch. I just want to, like, touch. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's things that. Fired. Like, this movie. Okay, I got a really long quote for you here. That's okay. uh, from Lubitsch's biographer, Scott Amon. Okay. So uh, tell me what you think about this. <laughs> I sure will. Quote, with few exceptions, Lubitsch's movies take place neither in Europe nor America, but in Lubitsch land, a place of metaphor, benign grace, rueful wisdom. What came to preoccupy this anomalous artist was the comedy of manners in the society in which it transpired, a world of delicate sang-froid where a breach of sexual or social propriety and the appropriate response are ritualized, but in unexpected ways, where the basis things are discussed in elegant whispers of the rapier, never the broadsword. To the unsophisticated eye, Lubitsch's work can appear dated simply because his characters belong to a world of formal sexual protocol, but his approach to film, to comedy, and to life was not so much ahead of his time as it was singular and totally out of any time. Hmm. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, okay. Because you were saying, even at the start of this, that it just, it doesn't, you can't tell what time it's taking place. No, really. yeah. Like, the it clearly is, don't... quote unquote, past. Uh, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> there isn't <laughs> to, a, like... To us now. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that really draws attention to a dated aspect like it feels like if you know about the history of the time at the time being the past century yeah just, just any time before computers yeah. is pretty much the yeah then you'll kind of know what's up but like i there's a way that he films all that too that keeps it from becoming mm. dated like you're saying the location of the shop is just like a real place somehow yeah like it's a set obviously but it feels like a real place and one thing I noticed watching this time around was Lubitsch's camera work, which is, like, there's lots of 
tracking shots and things and things I'm not used to seeing from 30 30s movies. 30s oh, sure. movies normally very static. Mm. But like the thing that I the shot that I think of is when Margaret Selvin gets stood up and goes to check her mailbox and we get the long tracking oh, shot yeah. into the back of the post office box and her hand feeling around inside yeah. and you see her face and it's just like so crushed. Yeah. That like that's a shot that I think about all the time. That's really good. Yeah. But like Nobody else is doing it like that in 1940, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's definitely a memorable shot. It's, it's such a like, again, you're not, you're not identifying with her. I don't think you identify with her ever in the like. Yeah. The point of view is never meant to be her. Yeah. Even in that moment where it's you're just alone with her, you, it's the fallout of what you already know is going to happen. Right. Yeah. And there's another tracking shot of um, just before the attempted suicide uh, tracking. Mm. Um, like there's this nice low angle shot of Frank Morgan going into his office and yeah. then we hover outside his door for so long. The, as you mentioned, the like turning off all the lights, like that's just the camera pulling back the whole time. Like there's yeah. all this cool camera movement that I just, I don't mm. know the craft of it, but it does. Yeah. It's just neat. I know so little about film that I'm always just like, oh yeah, I guess you can use the camera to affect the way the movie comes across. <laughs> like, that's well, always occurring to me, like, oh wow, I guess. <laughs> but I think that is, like, new enough for the time. Like, the mm. we're just getting sound figured out. Like, it's, it's yeah. I have a quote from Lubitsch that he says, the mm. camera, quote, should comment, insinuate, make an epigram or a bon mot as well as tell a story. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so, like, yeah. It is very calculated, and he was, like, very much known as the guy who is the most planning guy in the world. Oh, yeah. Like, people are like, Hitchcock kind of comes a close second for how insanely pre-planned everything has to be. Feels right. Especially if you're filming an adaptation of a play, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know, I'm always like, you have to be precise, you can't get away with shit. I think, well, to your point of it feels like a real space, I think that's the result that you're gunning for, where you're like, I have to have a point of view on this before everything goes in. Yeah, You can't feel this out as you're going. (laughs) So, I think, unless you have any, uh... Any errant thoughts? I think it's time to do a little review review. Ooh. A little review of reviews that we've seen uh, or viewed, as the <laughs> case may be. Uh, uh, I guess the only the only thing I want to note, just a complete throwaway, is that they are trying to sell a cigarette box. They're having this argument about how if someone t- smokes 20 cigarettes a day, <laughs> they're going to hear this song 20 times a day. Is that a real number of cigarettes oh, people sure. smoke in a day? There's a reason that people's voices Ooh. all sounded so, let's call it distinctive back then. <laughs> let's say 40s flavor. Yeah. My God. <laughs> okay. I went like, oh, ha, ha. oh yeah, I'm <laughs> hearing that number. That's all. Very good. Well, I'll kick us off here. I've got uh, three reviews for us. I do too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll... No, you kick us off. You, you go first. Okay. Well, here's one you're going to love. Uh, mine are all from Letterboxd. Uh, it's from user Nora. And their review is, I think it's nice how mean everyone is to each other in this movie. Bullying is productive. <laughs> They're right. Oh, no. Took the wrong lesson. Uh-huh. <laughs> Or did or, I think you should be able to call people out if they're being an asshole? Yes, is all I'm seeing. You know, yeah, yeah. and yeah, nobody. That's how we improve. Nobody is completely out of pocket in this. So. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I have a review from the time. Um, David nice. Thompson says, "This is a love story about a couple too much in love with love to fall tidily into each other's arms. Ah. Though it all works out finally, a mystery is left, 
plus the fear of how easily good people can miss their chances which i think that's just mm. like yes uh, and he goes on to say uh shopper in the corner is a treasury of hopes and anxieties based in the desperate faces of Stuart and sullivan it is a comedy so good it frightens us for them oh boy yeah like there's yeah. there's a weird amount of suspense to this movie yes yeah. yeah and not yeah it's not even just the like will she find out it's the like is this gonna totally blow up in their yeah. faces yeah and it's literally in yeah. the last seconds of the movie i've talked about before how there's like the abruptness of movies before like yeah. i want to say like 1980 we feels... hadn't invented the word denouement yet was yeah that, uh... epilogue was a stupid like the idea was oh you'll fill in the blanks on their way you home. get it yeah. yeah we don't need to set up a we hit the thing. emotional beat what are you gonna sit yeah. around for come on yeah it's a waste of everybody's time <laughs> yeah agreed uh yeah so it that's it is oh man yeah i never thought of that angle on it of like there but for the grace of god you know like they they almost fucked it up yeah yeah and it yeah it does feel that fragile as yeah. you're going through it like that yeah uh here's a not as delicate one from user kc <laughs> my watch party was absolutely feral for jimmy stewart every time he appeared on screen it was whore behavior i've never seen anything <laughs> like it <laughs> and I, I feel like i ought to bring it up because i don't i feel like to our earlier point, Jimmy Stewart is not... Ne- I, I don't think of him as one of the heartthrobs of the mm. era. I know that, like, he was functionally, but I don't think he's this, like, like handsome, all-American, mm. like, guy. I think people are responding to his energy. Yeah, of, it's like, not his look, it's his attitude. No, yeah. And and you just, like, this This is really one of the... One of the better, I would say the superior to It's a Wonderful Life. I'll go, I'll say it. For what flavor of Jimmy Stewart you get. Oh, he's sure. pacing, he's like less stuttery and more barky than yes, usual. Yes, I think about him when he approaches Vedish to like push him over. Yeah. He's got these like, the, the way his arms are, are such a like, that is not a a good looking posture he looks no no it looks bad but you yeah. can tell that that's somebody that's just angry yeah pure anger he's, that he's moving with his shoulders yeah and his hands know? like kind of up in a weird guarded way yeah. like it, it looks he wants very to fuck awkward. that guy yeah. Up. yeah but it looks bad yeah <laughs> the way that real fighting isn't good looking yeah right? no exactly yeah. yeah so it's not like a tidy i think people i think we need to go back to that no more of this like no more sanitized fucking mm. heartthrob stuff. I know I'm not like subtweeting anyone in particular with this. I just, you, there's a feeling of it. Yeah, you know? I'm sure there are examples alive and working today, but none of them are For at sure. the forefront like Jimmy yeah. Stewart was, I don't think. I feel like Tom Hardy is an interesting example because mm. he's just a little like fucked up in that, in a good way. But he's still got the like. He's still super handsome, yeah. but it's almost like Jimmy Stewart is handsome. Yeah, I suppose. I just think the, of the face, the sleep paralysis demon face. He makes. So <laughs> that's like, totally fair. Yeah, some of the googliest eyes too when he wants to. So anyway, I just thought that was fun. We're we're still responding to that energy in this nice. the year of our Lord. Uh, well, it was 2015, but I do love that something that 20... comes up. We've only been doing review review for a couple of weeks, but something that comes up every time is what flavor of horny people are for the movies <laughs> yeah, I know. and see this is this is such a great it's great that lubich was like known for this where he could he's just like people are horny why Let's why do you want to make movies it. without it like yeah. it doesn't have to be a huge deal because it's not it's not something people think about every second of the day but it's not not a part of life yeah stop being weird about it anyway well i have another one from user uh, letterboxd user lore nice and short why shouldn't she dunk <laughs> <laughs> so you can hear you can hear them in the diner. This is a Jerry Seinfeld 
like so she this, dunks so she dunks so she's a dunker <laughs> and you can hear jason alexander complaining about how there's crumbs at the bottom of the coffee yeah. then and like yeah i'm just thinking about her hands yeah. <laughs> <It's> so funny <laughs> oh my god yeah good stuff uh and i guess on on topic but my final review is from user vanina and it just says they don't make them like jimmy stewart anymore <laughs> do they and i think that is the sum total of my appreciation for this movie is just yep. like lubich obviously but there's something about jimmy stewart yep yeah he was that lubich <laughs> sorry uh, i and know my... you're not sorry <laughs> Can you tell because of how quickly I'm trying to get up the topic? Yeah. Uh, Your my, huge smile. <laughs> my final review, uh, and feel free to cut this out, is uh, from user Aaron Rose. Sorry, I really do like this movie. I wanted to do its wonderful charm and depth justice with a review, but Henry Kissinger died, so I gotta go celebrate that. <laughs> That's right. When we watched this movie, it was when he died. Oh. <laughs> so we'll hold that close to our hearts for all time. That was one of the most heartwarming nights of this year this decade i don't know like you know i know we got married this year but this is a close <laughs> second of just like pure joy yeah. pure celebration watch shop around the corner get just straight to your fucking vein christmas cheer and followed then, up with yeah. shot chaser <laughs> kissinger died oh in case you don't feel like publishing that, uh, feel free to cut that out. <laughs> oh, I'm going to publish it. Oh, very good. <laughs> good times. Uh, and with that, <laughs> under our belts, it's time for our final takeaways and then our uh, double billing nonsense. <gasps> How dare you call... No, it's mine is real nonsense. Mine is absolute nonsense. It's so please, nonsense. this is the reaction okay. to like something earnest and wonderful as I gotta make a joke about it. <laughs> uh, but uh, give us your final thoughts, your takeaway on... Here I go. This wonderful movie. I love a... It's not even a found family. It's it's just a like, this is... It's you, a forced family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you make what you can out of what you have mm. and i think that is such a that is the human experience in a nutshell and from what i hear this is the stock and trade of of ernst lubitsch mm. is just like showing people doing what they can with what they have and like finding a little bit of of uh charm or beauty or you know frustration or mm. you know whatever just taking all of the things as they come and uh i think it's Maybe a perfect workplace comedy. Yes. I it's agree so like pitch per perfect of like this turns into your whole world and mm. everything's very important. And then you walk out of the store and you're like, wait, no, not at all. I guess I'll just go and I'll sit at home go alone. Home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think one of the absolute treasures of the this movie is um, Matuszczyk realizing like you know his wife has left him he mm. so he has uh, kind of nothing to do on Christmas Eve and they've just hired Rudy he's only been working there for like a couple of weeks as the the errand boy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like bike boy so and he's trying to like he's searching around like what are you oh you must be going home to your family yeah okay have a good night mm -hmm. and then he's like Rudy what are you doing I'm like oh my folks aren't aren't in town I don't have family here and he's like so you're all alone on Christmas Eve and just like as a like wonderful yeah we'll be we'll be together and they so they go off and he treats them to a wonderful dinner and like just the pure oh the the excitement in his in his in both of their faces yeah so good of it's this so like there's something about this workplace that like 
it humiliates everyone equally. So, you just, <laughs> so you're on the playing field. Once you just admit that, you can you can like form these bonds. And Vadish won't admit it. I feel like that's no yeah. exactly. He thinks he's better yeah. than the job. Yeah. Fancy yeah, boy. fancy <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's a perfect workplace comedy, perfect rom-com. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. What about you? Uh, well, we, I kind of hinted at this a little bit, but I didn't talk about it that much. There's so much attention to paid to the implication of statements in this. Like, literally the first hmm. couple of lines with Jimmy Stewart is him saying something and then somebody doing... You you jokingly said, like, oh, it's just being online. It's like some, oh. him being like, I really liked... Or, I, I had I, too much goose liver last night. And then night. somebody's like, oh, so you hate goose liver? <laughs> He's just like, where? When f- did I say yeah. that? <laughs> he get, everyone come here. Did you hear me say anything about... Yeah. But, so there's obviously, like, the letters work in this, too, where it's, like, this whispered thing that isn't actually said out loud. Right. Um, yeah, we never get to hear the full text of the letters. The the jealousy kind of works in this, too, where it's this unspoken desire is happening. There's the unspoken... I don't think anybody actually comes out and says, Vadesh is fucking your wife. Like, there's nothing that explicit. It's just kind of like... No, I think I think the closest we get is Peppy stirs the pot a little bit. He, like, gets a call mm. and is Mrs. Matashek for the shop. It's like... He gathers everyone around and he's like, well, I'm sure Vadish would be happy to take you that package. Click. And then he just goes, draw your own conclusions. <laughs> Slammo. Uh, good. Yeah, it's a good hang up. Yeah. Uh, but what the, the end result of it all, and especially with the ending scene and the attention paid to like splitting apart or trying to draw together the superficial and the like what's beneath the surface, Jimmy Stewart's like, core fear of being alone mm. like that it's drawn out there's just this this movie feels like the marrying of the surface level and you get a hint of what's underneath what the actual relationships are sure and i just like it does it like nothing else in my mind like it fe- that's what makes it feel timeless to me is it's about the humanness of all these characters totally. and like to a lesser extent like pirovich is a very simple man but like that's the core being of him like that's all he wants yeah. he's happy with that yeah and then the comedy He's perfected that simplicity exactly yeah. by running out of the room yeah. when the opinion is asked for. Um, yeah, it's just so rewarding, and it just feels great watching it every time. It's just so heartwarming. Love yeah. It. So that's what I think of it. That's what draws me to this movie more I than like anything. Yeah. Uh, and now let's uh, double bill that with something. So, what do you got? Lay it on me. I'm going to go with the workplace comedy aspect of it. So Mm. this is a very, you know, delicate but forthright, like the shop around the corner. Yeah. Delicate but straightforward. It is nuanced. It allows you to both dislike and like characters (laughs) from scene to scene, sometimes in the same scene, sometimes retroactively, you know, (laughs) just very like rounded human people and you're just looking at people trying their best in the workplace. Um, I'm going to go with a movie that is a sledgehammer version of this. <laughs> Not at all delicate. Extremely gross out 2005 styles of movie. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but Waiting? No. Oh, I know of this. Okay, yes, yeah, yes, Okay. Yes. <gasps> They're vacuuming. Uh, waiting. So it's directed by Rob McKittrick, who wrote this screenplay while working as a waiter, and oh. it's about a bunch of people at, like, shenanigans with a Z, the chain restaurant. Um, it's got Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris and Justin Long. Anna Ferris. That's right. Yes. And it's about all, all of the like really fucked up relationships that <laughs> these people have developed because they're just together constantly and like 
how just yeah how how that bubble turns into your whole world and mm-hmm. things feel very important while you're there and like you know you you are a different person at work almost because you can't bring your whole self to work and like what that does to you yeah you know so in a way this drawing together of like the superficial thing of like oh i just see the i don't really know these people but you spend most of your life with them mm-hmm. and what that kind of does to your psyche and but it's just <laughs> like it's just stupid gross out shit yeah. like you know what did they they put pubes in a, a shitty customer's order? And, I was gonna guess know. somebody pees in somebody's coffee or Probably, something. Probably, like yeah. yeah. They, like stirs it with their dick or whatever. And they're constantly like <laughs> exposing themselves to each other. Like it's a game <laughs> of can you get your coworkers to look at your penis? Which is do not do this. I I've <laughs> Everyone? seen the po- like the poster for this movie. And I sure. definitely thought it was more of a a like sentimental rom com than a gross out rom com. <laughs> it's because the title is waiting dot dot dot. Right. <laughs> I feel like but I mean quite honestly, like I did enjoy the movie when I watched it because, you know, A, I had worked in that industry and mm. like B, it it does kind of get to the The truth of that. Yeah, yeah. it's not uh, like he he wrote it, he the the director and writer did that job mm-hmm. and all those jobs are the same everywhere those same yes, people appear everywhere but it's a different experience each time and <laughs> it like yeah you just you go into it and it's a gauntlet you know <laughs> and and you have to kind of balance your life with it and so i think the title is kind of like the nicer version of the movie itself yeah. <laughs> of like waiting like for what you know to for your life to start and yeah. the characters oh, and shop around the corner feel like they're kind of waiting for that like they're not getting the satisfaction out of their job and they're starting to look elsewhere but can you and you know um yeah there's a lot of discussion between Stuart and Pirovich about like Stuart being like oh I can start over anywhere and Pirovich being like I don't know you should kind of just you like shouldn't. Give up yeah. <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah and how it's how it's hard to even admit that to yourself that yes. the, the way you're spending your time all day every day is not moving you forward at all. And mm. not that you have to move forward, but like the new kid that they're training, and I can never remember his name. The The conceit of waiting is that it takes place over one day and it's this kid's first oh, day at fun. the restaurant. Yeah, what a great conceit. We love that. Yep. And eventually like, and he, the joke for the whole movie is that, oh, it's John Francis Daly from uh, Freaks and Geeks. The little brother. Oh, okay. <laughs> the joke is that he doesn't get to say anything the whole day because he's being trained by Ryan Reynolds, who's just this motor mouth. And then he has this absolute meltdown at a party after work where he's like, you are all terrible people. And he just quits on the spot and walks out. But yeah, just this like trying to realize perception, right? Trying to like, I, I deserve a little better and like mm-hmm. trying to trying to get that for yourself. People trying their best and fucking it up a lot of the time, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put those two together. I think like in a lot of ways they are the same movie. One is delicate and wonderful, one is not at all, and I probably wouldn't even rewatch it necessarily, but it's the same thing, very different approach. But that's like that's one of the things that fascinates me about this movie is that you as you're watching, you can she see the 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 gross out or the trashy or the the overly horny or the like yes, you can see you all can the see variations how the trashy stuff could leak in and it is all like you said it's insinuated oh yeah big it's, time it's there yeah it's just not being said yeah it's clearly a part of their lived lives yeah this is just that's on the surface <laughs> it's and in your food yeah oh god uh yes love it that's my pairing that's a great pairing I thank like you that. so much yeah. What do you got? Well, for me, I went super hyper general. So the Lubitsch touch. 
what does it say to you? To, <laughs> what do it do? <laughs> how do it work? To me, it's re- like the really, if I try to define it, the end result is that you're taking the most cliched setups imaginable and through technology or magic, making them into those cliched setups into like bittersweet character-driven stories. Sure. You know what I mean? Where like, I haven't seen You've Got Mail, but just like, just making it up, it could be the most saccharine, overwritten version of this movie. Sure. And it doesn't work. And then you look at the original and you're like, well, why does it work? I can't figure out the difference. Like, you could get down to the minutia of it, but it's just like a combination of factors that somehow makes that happen. It just is. Yeah. And to me, there's another filmmaker that this reminds me of who's able to like, they're the master of their genre and they're able to take what would just be like the trappings and the tropes and he turns them into really human character driven things somehow. Okay. You get to the end and you're like... That shouldn't have been emotional. Why was that emotional? Like, that feels wrong. Like, you tricked me. How'd you do that? Um, there is some of that where you're like, wait a minute, movie. What the fuck? <laughs> How'd you do this? How'd you do that? Um, okay. I speak, of course, of Hong Kong filmmaker Johnny Toe. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, he does have a Christmas movie. Uh <laughs> That on its surface is all about gang warfare, but at its core, it's about found family or forced family sure and what ties its characters together are all they're just bickering the whole time they clearly don't like being around each other but like something unspoken that you understand like it's a thing it's not a thing that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. but it's there's these ties beneath the surface that you can feel like they're as close as family you can very much feel that i'm speaking of exiled from 2006 (laughs) nice where we have a group oh my god christmas movie <laughs> yeah there's no attention paid to it there's just I like a christmas not. tree or two yeah yep. set up and you hear uh, i think you do hear um, caroling caroling and it's supposed to be like at the new year time right and there's a cop that just is comic relief that keeps appearing that's like on january 1st i retire so yeah. i'm not getting engaged with these people <laughs> but uh, the idea of exiled is that these two gangs are coming to kill this guy who left the gang yeah basically and then the two gangs come together and they they're like old high school friends so they they're like okay well we won't kill you because you're trying to get out of gangs to become a family man yeah. so we'll do like one last job with you is kind of the setup sure yeah you can you can pay off your debt by yeah and things go off the rails and then there's like other gang members that are very much the vanish here where you're like you're technically all the same but this guy sucks everyone knows yeah <laughs> even for criminals we hate this guy yes the ending yeah. of it is so like heroic bloodshed over the top slow-mo ridiculousness but yeah. it legitimately tears me up like it's, I know. it's somehow so affecting where you have this group of gangsters that there's they have a bonfire at one part where they're like lost in the wilderness that one of them is like tickling another one and the other one's like ah your dick's small and he's like punching him in the dick <laughs> and it's just it's so childish but you're like oh these are like these people have known each other for like 30 years yeah. and this is just they what the trust each is. other yeah. to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Those are those exiled. So weird. It shouldn't work, but some I of the most it. like, like heart, I can't even think of an adjective, but like some of the best on screen relationships and none of it is said. It's all implied. Yeah. Like the, the dialogue in the movie is 100% plot driven yeah with a couple of character <laughs> moment drops it's all through yeah. visual filmmaking that it really does get good and uh, the performances and the performance yeah yeah it really should it has no right to be as good as it is i it know might, it's probably my second favorite johnny toe movie and i love my johnny toe so nice yeah yeah check out exiled <laughs> i told you i had a very stupid pairing <laughs> that i was like it make it's good but it's very stupid no i love this because it is where you're like i you think back on the movie and you're like why did that 
make me so emotional. They both make me feel huh. kind of the same thing. Like they hit the same emotional yeah. zone yeah. for me. Yeah. This and is just like Exiled is just brash and, and like about crime yeah. instead of, you know. It's it's the instead of writing letters, they're shooting guns at each uh-huh. other. <laughs> the letters of Hong Kong. <laughs> it's very it is dangerous family. to be a post person. <laughs> There's their thin blue line for you. <laughs> brown? I don't know what they're. It doesn't matter. Not brown. Uh, anyway, I feel like we've done a good job of being respectful to Lubitsch and our very silly choices today. <laughs> I hope so. It I takes hope the spirit take of the thing. Yes. I think more than anything. Yeah. I sure hope so. <laughs> and we did make his the arty one. So. Yep. Yes. This I'm is, assuming. This is a case where, in both of our our choices, there's nothing artier, I guess, than Lubitsch. At least. It really is, for this genre, an emotional touch point. Unless you're getting to really, like, specifically art house stuff, there's nothing that gets... I yeah. mean, there's there's the there's art and then there's the craft, and I feel like he's mm. such a master of the craft, knowing nothing about the craft, but, like, <laughs> I, it's got that great thing where, like, I don't think it is... It's not artsy. Yeah. It's super watchable, very funny, mm-hmm. very, like, you know heart-rending in some ways and yeah. me- kind of melodramatic but never in a way where you're like people don't do, do well, this like this rom-com, is so true to life the the genre of rom-com didn't exist back then they were called sentimental comedies right which is like that's exactly what it is it's yeah. it is a dramedy basically like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i agree I think he would be fine with it because I think I think you know he's laughing at sex a little bit he's <laughs> laughing at our little rituals so I think he's fine with it yeah I'm and- speaking for him <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm glad we had a representative of his to speak on the podcast. (laughs) I've been possessed the whole time. And now we're literally going to stop recording to go to a theater to watch Nunochka. So uh, there you go. Please follow us on Instagram at GarbagePod. (laughs) Even from our last episode, we are on Blue Sky, but we still have not posted anything there. In time. In time, dear listener, in time. I hope you'll come back and join us for another pile of garbage. Bye. I don't know how to thank you for that marvelous present. After all, I'm only working here a short time. Oh, that's all right. (laughs) What was your name? Rudy. Rudy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now, you better not squander that money. You take it home and give it to your mother, huh? My people don't live here in town, Mr. Matichek. Is that so? Have you no other relations here? No, Mr. Matichek. You mean you're all alone in Budapest on Christmas Eve? That's right. Rudy. Do you like chicken noodle soup? I certainly do, Mr. Malachek. Yeah, and uh, and what would you think of roast goose stuffed with baked apples and fresh boiled potatoes and butter and some red cabbage on the side, huh? I love it. Yeah, and then some cucumber salad with sour cream. Oh, yeah. Mr. Matichek. And then a double order of apple strudel with vanilla sauce. Sounds wonderful. Yes, well, you're going to have it, Rudy. Come on, here, taxi.